You know, guys, we're, we're getting towards the end of our series. We started a series, this is lesson seven, so about six, six, seven weeks ago, we started a series called Living for the Future Now. Because here's the reality. Most of us, if you've been to church, at some point have heard about the teachings concerning Jesus' second coming and being ready for when he comes again for you. So we all know that. We all know about the events. Some of you could probably tell me the events right offhand. What you've heard, seen on TV, what you've read, you're all aware of that. But what I found interesting, and that's why we started doing this series, is while people may know about what's coming, and that's where our hope is, you don't hear very much about what we're to do now. What are we supposed to do now? How do we live for that now? How do we live prepared? And that's really why... Matthew 24 and 25 are there. In Matthew 24, he begins the first part, kind of giving you a broad overview about what's happening, what's happening now, what's going to happen in the future. But then at the end of 24 and then into 25, he's talking about how you live right now. How are you going to respond to that right now? And we've seen several things. We've seen, first of all, that there's two responses. There are people who take it seriously and it affects the way they live their lives now. There are people who don't take it seriously. People who say they're following Jesus but they don't take it seriously. Last time we looked at this passage, we saw that there were people who in their response, they're ready, they're prepared for when he comes. But then there are those who are foolish who are not prepared. Today, He's going to talk about, through a parable, about what we're supposed to do now. In the meantime, for the time being, what are you supposed to do? Because we don't know when he's coming. It's been 2,000 years, so is he coming? Well, yeah, he's coming. and We're going to see that in the passage. He kind of alludes to the time frame. But he also tells you that in the meantime, in the time for the time being, there's something that you need to do. It's not kick back in an easy chair, do whatever you want, wait for Jesus to show up. There's actually something for you to do, and it's very, very important. Now again, I want to remind you that the reality is from these passages that we're looking at that you and I have a responsibility. So I'm just going to go over these. We've gone over them the last few weeks. I just want to remind you two points. Okay, so here's the first point. All right. Information that you've received always requires something of you. So every time you come to church, every time you're in a Bible study, every time you have a discussion with someone, and you receive information, of, of a, of, from the scripture that is speaking to you, you are now responsible to do something with that. And that is especially true when we talk about the issue of the second coming, when Jesus comes back. You are required to do something with it. It requires something of you. And you're going to be judged for that later on. In fact, we're going to see that today. When he tells you something, you're, there's something that's required of you. Here's the second point. Understanding the future must impact your life now. 
When you understand what's coming and what's going to happen and the direction of the world, it's got to impact your life right now. That's the point of these parables that Jesus is giving. He's already told you, don't be shocked by what's happening in the world. This is what's going to happen. This is what happens as a follower of Jesus. And this is what's going to happen in the future. But don't be shocked by that. But that should change the way that you're living your life. It should change the perspective you have. Do you understand? And we understand that, right? When you know something's coming, it changes your perspective on things, right? Especially how you are at work or how you are in your life. So we have a responsibility. So now we come to the second of the three parables that Jesus gives us. So let's look at this second parable. It starts in verse 14. And it's actually a parable that maybe you've heard a message on before. It's the parable of the talents. So let me just read it to you. Okay? Look with me. Verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. For a long time the the Lord of those servants, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gathered two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not gathered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here is what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reaped where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back mine own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him, give it to him who has ten talents, and to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance." 
But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. This is an amazing, you probably have heard this passage many times before. The parable of the talents. Now, again, I want to remind you, a parable is simply a story to convey a greater truth. Don't get wrapped up in the complete details of everything here. But there are some basic truths here that you and I need to grasp that he's going to show you about living for the future now. And in fact, he's going to talk about how we should be living for the time being. For the time being. What we should be doing now. Because this is an amazing story. It's a story of a master who what? Goes on a far journey and says he's coming back. Sound familiar? Jesus, what? Ascended? Said, I'm going to what? Come back. And in the meantime... He gives some responsibilities. So here's what we're going to do with this passage. We're going to divide it into two sections. We're going to look, first of all, at the assignment. There's an assignment. He gives these guys an assignment. He gives us an assignment. And then we're going to see that the parable tells us there's an accounting. You know what I mean by that? An accounting where you have to give an account with what you did. So let's look at this. First of all, the assignment. Three things are going to stick out here that are very, very important for you to understand, especially because, hey, we're living 2,000 years after Jesus left. And he said he's coming back. Well, where is he? Isn't that, the, isn't that what people say? Well, where is he? Where's the promise? That's what Peter talked about, right? But notice Jesus, I think, alluded to what's going on. Here's the first one. The master is going away on a long journey. That comes out of this parable. Two places. Look at what it sees. It says in verse 14. He says, it's like a man traveling to a far country. So that's going to take some time. Then a little bit later, it says in verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came. After a long time. So the first thing you need to understand, don't be discouraged because you hear people say, he's, when's he coming back? He said he was coming back. It's been 2,000 years. Well, Jesus already told us in this parable it's going to be a long time. The master's going on a long journey. But the fact is he's going to come back. So in the meantime, there's something to be done. Here's the second thing I want you to see. The master gave his servants varying assignments to do while he was away. The master gave his servants varying assignments to do while he's away. And here it says he gave his servants, three servants, Varying assignments. Well, he gave one five talents, he gave another three talents, and he gave one one talent. Now, let me explain something to you what a talent is. A talent is not like what we think, playing the piano, playing the guitar, playing video games. That's not a talent, okay? A talent here was a measurement. 
It was a measurement of a large sum. And in this instance, he refers to it later as a large sum of money. Okay? Large sum of money. So for each of these, he gave a certain amount of money. And the scripture very clearly says that he gave them the assignment based on their what? Their abilities. He didn't give them each the same task. He gave them something to do that was different based on their abilities. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's the greater truth that's coming out. Jesus, when he leaves, gives his servants, now who's his servants? You and I who are followers of Jesus. He gives us assignments based on our what, folks? Abilities. So the task he gives me is different than the task that he gives Lori. Or the task that he gives me is different than the task that he gives Sam. The task for Sam is different than the task for Rob. Each one has different assignments. Now you say, well, yeah, George, I understand your assignment. You're a preacher, but I'm not called to be a preacher, so I don't have an assignment. Here again, we've messed up our whole concept of serving Jesus. We think serving Jesus means a position. We think Jesus, serving Jesus means ministry, full-time ministry. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about he gave them an assignment based on their abilities. What's the assignment? Obedience. Doing what he tells you to do. And the fact of the matter is, is you and I both know that what he tells me to do will be different than what he tells Rory to do. Now, some things he'll tell us both to do together, but it'll be different than what he tells Bruce to do. What he tells Bruce will be different than what he tells Sam. Each person, God is telling them to do something. For some of you, that assignment is you're a mom. You're a grandmother. You're a dad. For some of you, it's where you live in your neighborhood, right? It's where you work. You serve Jesus there. What, am I supposed to be an evangelist there? No, no, no. You're supposed to share your faith, but you're supposed to serve him there Bring glory to him there with your life by doing what he tells you to do. The master gives to each one assignments to do while he's gone. Do you understand? In fact, let me just kind of remind you a little bit. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. is isn't just a guarantee that you're going to go be with him when you go to heaven. It's also to equip you to what? Serve him. Do you understand? Serve him. Now, in order for you to understand that he gives you an assignment, I want you to turn in your Bibles real quick. Just go forward a few books to the letter to the Ephesians. All right? Go to the letter of the Ephesians. All right? So you want to go, you're going to go past the Gospels. You're going to get to Acts. You're going to come to uh, Romans. First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Now chapter 2 is a very important passage because chapter 2 talks about salvation. But I want you to see, because we talk about being given an assignment, I want you to see with me verse 10. And look at what he says here in verse 10. It's not going to be on the screen. I just want you to look with me. Look at what he says. For we, that's talking about you as a believer, we are his workmanship. All right, let me just stop for a moment. Workmanship means his creation. It actually means a whole lot more to that. Another way you could pronounce it is we are his masterpiece. 
You're a priceless work of art. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I don't look good in the mirror, George. I understand, but to Jesus, you're a masterpiece, his masterpiece. You're his work. All right, look at what it says here. We're not going we're gonna to get hung up there. We're going to just go further on. Created in Christ Jesus, here's what it says, for good works. Jesus brought salvation in your life to accomplish something through your life. Wherever you are, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your workplace, among your friends, in your social group, in this church, he created you, saved you, for a purpose. And then look at what it says about this purpose. Look at verse 10. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the assignments we have. He prepared these assignments so that you and I could walk in them. Do you see that? Here's the point. The assignment is the master, the Jesus is going away, right? He's away. Everybody recognize that. He's away. He's with the Father. In the meantime, he gave each of you through salvation something to accomplish for him, an assignment according to your ability. According to your ability that he wanted you to accomplish, that he wants you to accomplish with your life. That's the assignment. And I'm going to tell you right now, it isn't for you to be a preacher. Although he might call you to be a preacher, but I'm not saying. For most of you, it isn't. It isn't for you to be a Sunday school. Although some of you, God maybe wants you to be a Sunday school teacher, but that's not it. It's for you to be you where you are as a follower of Jesus, where you are. Does everybody understand? We've been given an assignment. But I'll be honest with you, most of us don't even think that way because we know about the teaching, but we think we just need to muddle through life. No, no, you've got something God wants to accomplish through your life. Do you understand me? Here's the next thing I want you to see about the assignment. Okay? Here's the next thing. From the passage. Look with me at verse 16 through 18. Okay? 16 through 18. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Now, here's the third thing I want you to see about the assignment. Okay? Third thing. Each servant carried out his assignment in his own way. All right, so here you are, and these guys, they receive their talents. Two of them decide, I'm going to do something with this. One makes another five. The one who got two makes two. The third guy, I'm just going to bury it. I ain't doing nothing with it. I'll at least give it back to him. What's this point to? Each person does in his own way what he's going to do with the assignment. And isn't that true? Some act on the assignment. Some don't do anything. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Some do something. Yes, I see that I'm here for a purpose. I'm in this household. I'm in this family unit. I'm in this workplace. I'm in this community. I'm in that social club. I'm with that group of friends, and, and I'm following Jesus. And so, Lord, I know you want me to do this or that. I'm not, I don't know what he's telling you, but you know, and you do something about it. And, and somebody else says, I ain't doing nothing. I'm just going to hide it. See, he gives the assignment. It's now the responsibility of the one who receives the assignment to do something with it, right? And it's up to you what you do with it. Nobody's policing. Nobody's policing. It's up to you. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Now, that brings us over to verse 19 and the rest of the chapter, because we're going to see that there is an accounting. When will that take place? Well, it takes place, verse 19 tells us, when the master comes back. And folks, he's coming back. You don't know when. In the meantime, you just be faithful. We've already seen the other teaching where he says about those who waste their time and, and, and they are dealt with and, and those who are faithful, those who are prepared. Okay, but here it is. The master's coming back and there's going to be an accounting and there's going to be an accounting of what you did while he was away. Did you do what he asked you to do? So I want you to notice three things here. Okay, three things. Notice with me. After a long time, verse 19, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. The Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your rest. He who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. The Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, here's what I want you to see. When the master returned, they were to give an account of their service. They were to give an account of their service. Now listen, I'm going to, I'm going to help some of you understand. For a believer here, there is going to be a judgment for you. What do you mean? I thought Jesus saved me from hell. I'm not going to. Have, what do you mean? There's a judgment. I'm not going to be cast into hell. No, 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 no. There's a judgment. But the judgment is not with reference to your salvation. It's with reference to what you did for Him while you were here. Do you understand? It's a little bit different. And with that judgment is how you are rewarded. Do you understand? When you live your life here, we, see, we have this concept. We've kind of lost this concept in Christianity in North America. We live this like we're supposed to make everything wonderful here and strive for here. No, no, I'm living here, but I'm living for later. I'm making investments later. 
Isn't that what Jesus said? Lay up treasure for yourself in what? Heaven. How do I lay up treasure for myself? Being faithful here, being rewarded here. And the fact is, is we're going to give an account for how we live our lives here. You're accountable. I mean, can I kill a wrong lie that some of you have believed. The lie that some of us operate on is since Jesus died for us, I can do whatever I want to do. Hooey! No, it's not true. You're still accountable. You still have to answer. I mean, think about it for a moment. I, I've told you I grew up in a home, a military home. My dad was a drill sergeant and my dad was a military man. My dad was a disciplinarian. And, and so here's the thing I always knew. I knew I wasn't going to get thrown out of the Cannon family. They're not going to take that away from me, take away my last name. But I knew that when I messed up, I still had to face George Ray Cannon Sr. Did you know what I'm saying? I, I had to face the music and be what? Dealt with for... Now, he didn't throw me out of the family. But out of love, he what? Dealt with me. See, this is the same thing. You're in the family of God. And the Heavenly Father will deal with us. That's pretty serious, isn't it? That kind of puts perspective on living now, right? You just don't have a free check. So when the master returned, they were to give an account of their service. Now, the problem is, is the dude who got one servant, one talent. What did he do with it, remember? Buried it. Now, how's he going to explain that one? Well, he, he tries to. Look with me. Verse 24 and 25. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Whoa. Reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. Now here's the next part of the truth I want you to see. The unfaithful servant operated with a misunderstanding of the master. The unfaithful servant operated with a misunderstanding of the master. Here's what was going on. The first two guys, they were faithful because I think they understood who the master was and they understood their responsibility. This guy, he's got a wrong concept of who the master is. He's got a wrong concept of what the master expects. He's got a wrong thinking about the master. And that's actually quite true. For people who aren't doing anything about what God has told them to do, more than likely what's going on is, is that somewhere along the line, they have developed some wrong thinking about God. Wrong thinking about God, wrong thinking about what, they, what he expects of them, so they don't do anything. They don't do anything. And that's what's happening here. The unfaithful servant operated with a misunderstanding of service. Now it's the last part of this story that really throws people for a loop. Because obviously we're not talking about an unbeliever here, we're talking about somebody who's, quote, serving God. But look at what happens to him. Look with me now, verse 26 through 30. 
But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reaped where you have where I have not sown, gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to deposit my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him, give it to him who has ten, and to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That phrase into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is a reference to hell. So here's the final point. The unfaithful servant was exposed and punished as an unbeliever. Now this is where it gets interesting. And this is where I need to help you to understand what's going on. You say, how's that possible, George? If he's a servant, he's saved, he's okay. No, he isn't. Because I need you to understand that the scripture very clearly teaches that not everybody's okay. What do you mean? Earlier in this gospel, Jesus tells a story about the master goes out, the sower goes out and sows seed. In the evening... An enemy comes and sows tares. And the next day, there's among the wheat, there's these tares, and the servants say to, the, to this master, do you want us to uproot the tares? And the master says, no, leave them. Leave them lest you uproot that which is good. And in the end, they will be separated. And the tares will be burned. What's the point of that parable? That in the midst of God's people, there are those who are what? Not God's people. They think they're following Jesus. They may even say they believe, but they're not. How's that possible, George? Well, listen again. Again, Sermon on the Mount, same gospel, Matthew chapter 7. In that day, they will show up and I'll say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these great things in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not see these miracles? And Jesus will say to them, Depart from me, I never knew you. See, that's the reality. The reality is, is that if you belong to the Lord, you're going to act on those assignments, whatever they may be in your life, and one day you'll be rewarded. How can that possible? Because if you know the Lord, it's the Holy Spirit that helps you to carry out what he's doing. But if you're here and you think you know him, but you're not sure, but you're just doing your own thing and you don't really care about serving him, chances are you don't know him. Great chances you don't know him. And then the reality is, in the end, simply because you showed up and went to church doesn't mean you're going to be okay. You'll be exposed for who you really are. An unbeliever. And you'll be dealt with. Whoa. All right, well, that's pretty serious, George. What in the world does that have to do with what we're talking about today? Well, it's actually a warning. 
This last part is actually a warning. What do you mean a warning, George? Well, what he's trying to do is to communicate to you. He's saying, I'm getting ready to die. I'm going to be raised, and then I'm going to go to the Father. That's what? The death, burial, resurrection, and the ascension. And while I'm gone, he gave an assignment. What's the assignment? We know it as the Great Commission, right, folks? Go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I have, what, commanded you. Make disciples. That's not just giving them salvation. That's helping them to be a follower of Jesus, to be, what, obedient, to be his servant. But in the meantime, as we are reaching out, there will be people who, remember the parable of the sowers? There are one who, who falls on the wayside, but there are others who for the moment receive for the moment, but they're not saved. Only that which was sown on the good soil is saved. So the reality is, here's the warning. Make sure you're following Jesus. Make sure you're doing what you should be doing while he's gone, because you never know when he's coming back. Well, it's been 2,000 years, George. What if the Lord delays a little bit more? Hey, you're still going to meet him, right? And you're still going to have to give an account. So you live for him now. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, again, I'm going to give you the same two points. These are the same two concluding points that we've had throughout this whole series. Here they are. Number one, how real is the second coming of Jesus Christ to you? How real is that to you? You are going to see him again. Now the question is, are you going to be like the guy who received five talents or the guy who received two talents? Or are you going to be like the dude who received one and buried it? Live for him now. And then second, here it is. Does the future reality affect your life now? Does this future reality affect your life now? And, and when I say that, you, right now, the Spirit of God, if, it's, if, he, if he's working, and I know that he is, he's working, he's pointing out to you, hey, this needs to change, this needs to stop, this needs to start happening. He's already communicating. I don't need to tell you what that is. I don't have any clue. But he does. He's talking to your hearts. He's talking to your minds. He's telling you what you need to do. And so what you need to do is, like what Samuel was told to do when God speaks. Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. Your servant is listening. What do I need to do? That's the issue. Does the future reality affect your life now? I pray that it will in my life and in your life. Let me pray for you.